name's Tom Jennings and this is the 24 Frames cast. Uh, today is going to be um, just a look at one film and before I get into that just wanted to thank uh, a few people who emailed me regarding uh, the last part of the 70mm festival. Um, some really nice feedback, a lot of people didn't seem, a lot of people it seemed hadn't heard of or seen Dragon Slayer before and had sought it out and that's always nice to get feedback that people were seeking out films I'm talking about. I've always tried to kind of mix it up a little bit on this podcast and hopefully dig out a few films for people that they may not have seen. And um, I'm currently working on another short video essay. This one is going to be on my favourite scene from Close Encounters. So as soon as that drops, I will let you know. Also, please do check out the, uh, if you go to um, Master Cinema, sorry, if you go to 24framescast at blogspot.com and click on the exclusive pages. There is now the another episode of the Bond Marathon up this time in the form of Gold and I. I thought I'd actually uploaded this ages ago and then realised I actually hadn't. So um, I do apologise if you went over there to have a look for that and it wasn't there. But moving on, I'm going to crack on with this week's episode. And it is a look at Bertrand Tevenar's L627. So if I was to tell you that L267 is a cop film that contains the following elements. A cop who is on the edge and at odds with his superiors. A wife who, although not his case 24-7, still wants him to spend more time with her and their kid. Not got a drink problem, but enjoys booze a little bit too much on occasion and definitely drinks every day. An informer who is a hooker with a heart of gold, who is also a junkie who looks utterly beautiful, who he's also in love with is slightly corrupt and skims off the top, has a boss who is inept and dumb, uh, has a retirement fantasy, and basically hates the system and is also a little bit racist. Because, yep, every single cop film or show cliche is here, and we've seen them all a million times. However, L627 is far from being a dull generic film. And what makes it so gripping is not the film's insistent that it has a lead protagonist slowly solving some huge, huge case, but whether or not his life is going to crack from underneath him. Now, Detective Lucian Margaret, i.e. Lulu, played by Didier Bazace, is constantly pissing off his superiors. And after his boss wants the van he is using during a stakeout so he can get a lift home, Lulu loses it along with a kilo of heroin, and berates his boss in front of his other colleagues. This leads to him being reassigned to a desk job, but after that he is quickly moved on to a team working on drugs and vice the other side of the city, the city being Paris. His colleagues are a mix, mixed bunch. One sees it as a stepping stone on, the, on his career ladder. One is so overweight he can barely do anything. The boss is a complete Luddite who's more interested in playing practical jokes on everyone. One of them acts like she is still in sixth form and spends most of the time discussing or trying to rearrange her social life and sex life. And then there is the constant ongoing debate as to what people are going to have for lunch. And what emerges over its two hour, 20 minute running time is a story of frustration. Lulu is utterly dedicated to his jobs. He keeps a picture of a dead heroin addict above his desk as a constant reminder of what is at stake and what they are trying to get off the streets. He seems to be the only one who really seems to grasp the wider 
necessity for what they are doing. Yet the conflict of the film is always the system at large. Those they arrest are regularly simply let out, lack of evidence, extenuating circumstances, plea deals, and for everyone they lock up, another one simply takes the place anyway. There's, also, there's almost therefore a resignation about the team. For Lulu, it is an anger at the situation. For the other members of the team, it's more of a shrug of the shoulders. They can, after all, only do their job. It's the city itself that has to help them if they really want to get the results they apparently want. And I think there's one scene that really perfectly kind of captures a kind of microcosm of what this film is really about. Lulu and a colleague need to observe a suspect from a school classroom and the principal bursts in demanding to know what they are doing and have they got the necessary paperwork to be there? Did they seek prior approval? She complains that they just can't turn up and that their behaviour is completely unacceptable while simultaneously failing to grasp that they're police officers trying to catch a drug dealer and it's just part of the ongoing problems Lulu is up against. The team can't get overtime approved to chase down suspects. They need a new van for surveillance, but the one they have been assigned leaks fuel. They can't get one of their informants into rehab. The waiting list is too long. And on and on it goes. And Lulu is a man who you feel should probably just walk away, but he knows he can't. What cop can in a film? It's his passion and it's also his Achilles heel. And what, so, what, what I think works so well in the film is how you experience the frustration through him. Bertrand Travenis shoots the film with a veritable... And Travenis shoots the film with very much a verite style, which I think is kind of in keeping with a film like this. There's a, the cam there's a lot of handheld camera work or what I assume was probably shots done on Steadicam following characters around the streets. We don't get any kind of huge visuals of Paris. I and mean, the only odd visual clue that we're in the city is you'll see something like the Eiffel Tower in the background. But this directorial approach, I think, really embeds you with Lulu and his world. And there's a sense of repetition, I think, in many of the scenes. They feel almost like vignettes self-contained moments in time as opposed to being part of a grander narrative structure and you are repeatedly shown over and over him coming up the constant barriers that exist in his professional life and Tavernier's style I think really complements this storytelling technique and what also happens I think is how gripping the film can become a subway sting operation plays like something out of one of the Bourne films with Lulu and the team trying to snag their prey in the underground. And there's also, I think, a realism to what's going on and what we see because nothing is ever easy for Lulu and the team. And sometimes what the team does works and sometimes what happens is it doesn't work. Nothing is really dwelt on. It's just simply part of their everyday experience. And it also goes into a great detail of the mechanics of what they are doing. Tavernish shows us surveillance, working leads, the tech that is required to do their jobs, the cameras and the microphones, the AIDS test one of the team has to take after being bitten by a suspect. Yet nothing is slick or modern. Their office is a tatty porter cabin. The toilets barely work. Everything has to be typed out manually. And Tavernier never romanticises any of this aspect of policing. 
there's even a scene where the team are having a barbecue outside and someone comes out the police building into the car park to tell them that someone has complained about the smell of the barbecue. It seems even in this world, there's always a job's worth waiting to moan. I think it's also fair to say that Didier Bezace is not Steve McQueen. He's not a particularly great looking, charismatic person. But I think there is an air of romanticism in the film, certainly on the part of Tavernier, because you're reminded every now and then that despite the film's apparent realism, it's also when it needs to be a movie. And I think this is reflected in some of the female characters. And despite the fact that Lulu is no Steve McQueen, as I mentioned, he of course has an utterly beautiful younger wife. And being a road cop, in a way, he probably has to have a beautiful wife. That's simply how this genre works. And I think the moviness of L267 extends to Cecile, Lulu's hooker informant. Lulu has groomed her on an arrest to work for him. She is a heroin addict, is HIV positive and works from an underpass picking up clients. Whereas other addicts in the film are shivering messes, Cecile pretty much looks perfect. Actress Lala, Lara Guerrero is absolutely beautiful. She's perfect in every possible way and when she's stripped and Lulu doesn't really quite know how to act around her. There is a very obvious age difference and there is clearly quite a deep affection. He's always kissing and hugging her and Cecil teases him that he took her on as a deformer because he wanted far more than he was letting on from her. She even in one scene strips naked for him and asks to watch her. And of course, she, is, she has the most perfect body imaginable. Yet we, under, yet we know that their relationship has never been consummated. It is easily the most romantic relationship we see in the whole film. And it's almost as if Bertrand Tavernier can't bring himself to have her anything else but completely perfect. This is again, I think, the movie coming through. We won't understand his infatuation if she is a mess. And despite the fact that his wife isn't really that much of a nag, you are kind of rooting for Lulu and Cecile to get it on. But whenever the film spends too much time in the movie world, Tavernier takes it straight back into the very grim day-to-day -day reality of working in this world. A botch raid by Boss Dodo means that the team will have to put a baby into the system and yields barely a crack pipe in terms of evidence. And then to make matters worse, Dodo sells out an informer who's then cut up by some other dealers only for a small game to be made and the team losing a possible lead into an even bigger heroin dealer. And it goes on and on and at two hours, 20 minutes, it's also a brave film, I think, with no central big baddie narrative. You do find yourself perhaps wondering if the film is too long for what it is, but I think that is the point of its boldness. You really do feel like you're inhabiting another world and Didier Bazon is superb in the film. He gives a tremendously physical performance. He's never really ever sitting still, constantly working, moving. And perhaps we could have dropped a subplot that shows him moonlighting as a wedding videographer. But 
perhaps these scenes I felt after the film were actually kind of a needed breath of fresh air to show that there was more to the man than simply his job. But Tavernier doesn't worship Lulu. This is a man who is deeply flawed. He uses racist language and he, like his colleagues, is on the take, helping himself to some shoplifted perfume from one of his informants. He certainly dips into some of the cash that gets taken of suspects. And he also, I think it seems, has enjoyed the sexual favours of ladies of a certain profession. But he's also relatable. We've all been there in our jobs, stuck in a rut not of your making. And in one scene, Lulu walks out on his wife while having lunch and sits outside the apartment he grew up in. His wife joins him and he tells her that statistically it's highly likely that their marriage is going to fail and that way he will fuck it up somehow because that's just what happens to cops. She simply bats it off. She's going to stick with him because she cares. And I think it's just the scene the film needs because I think it hints that Lulu will get a happy ending or at least some sense or at least a fulfilled life with her after the credits roll. She believes in him and he is a good man and maybe they just won't end up being one of those statistics. And after going on this journey with Lulu, you do genuinely want this character to be happy. But something really did come over me toward the end of the film because, and there is a slight spoiler alert here, we see having not seen Cecile in a year after she apparently disappeared off the streets in the hotel she was staying in, Lulu bumps into her on the street and she is now clean and is moving away from Paris with her mother. Lulu is on a bus and he has to go. She asks him to write and come and visit, which he agrees to do. And as he drives away, I realised that he hadn't actually got her address but it's okay I thought this is a movie there's always a way that he will find her and get the necessary information then however it hits him and he realizes that he didn't get her address as well so how on earth is he going to be able to find her and I actually smiled to myself because I wanted Tavernier to go back into his movie ending I could leave the film in my head imagining things would work out well for them all. But no, Tavernier and this film aren't going to let you get away with it that easily. And they're not going to be that romantic. And sometimes I was reminded things don't work out the way they do in the movies. And for us and Lulu, we just have to accept sometimes that's just life. So that would be it for this episode of the 24 Frames cast. Many thanks for listening. Um, if you wish to follow me on Twitter, um, you might not have heard this tale, but I was actually banned from Twitter. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, drop me an email at 24framescast at gmail.com and I will uh, follow you somehow through there. Um, many thanks for listening. I will be in contact soon. I'm currently working on a few uh, quite longer episodes and... Um, hopefully they will be dropping quite soon but in the interim I will of course keep banging out some of these shorter episodes so many thanks for listening and I'll be in contact soon bye